Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me, again, is Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Dash Radio and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. I actually heard Doges Balbe, mm. former mm. Texas point guard, subscribed. So you should as well. One of the worst <laughs> free throw shooters ever. Doges <laughs> Balbe was actually just a terrible shooter. I just hated him as a whole, honestly. I think he was like a four-year starter, and he was that perfect quintessential college point guard where you don't really have a choice but to play him. Like He's good enough to start, but he's not going to win you any games. Now, wasn't he on the teams with like Mick Cabongo and those guys? Maybe. I, th- like, I think they were excited about Cabongo, and then he didn't really do anything either. But Doges Balbe, a... Uh, a, a a very he's pretty much a foot soldier like he is a dedicated foot soldier to the texas longhorn program he subscribes so you should as well check out the website at the that's the dash barnburner.com and make sure to follow us on twitter at cbb theater you should also follow me at subi232 to find out where the seat is and taylor at taylor damel we're sponsored by blue note artfully crafted small batch bourbon distilled in memphis and honoring the memphis blues be noteworthy, Memphis. I'm going to get to your Kansas trip over the weekend here. I want to hear all about it. We're going to recap that. Uh, We have a great show for you today. We are previewing the Big 12. So what better way to segue into your Kansas trip than to talk about a place uh, you were in Big 12 country, right? But real quick, some breaking news prior to us recording. The NCAA has now essentially permitted student athletes to profit off of their own likeness. We've been Pretty much us and LeBron James, I would say, have just been pretty much uh, moving this conversation forward. And I say that facetiously, but LeBron actually just put out a tweet essentially kissing his own ass, saying, you know, I'm glad I was able to have some sort of impact on this. Uh, But the NCAA now will be uh, permitting student athletes to profit off their own likeness. I'm actually very surprised at how quickly this happened mostly because of how much they've like dug their heels in on this subject in the past. And so this is how I look at it and I'll get your thoughts on it in a second. 
I'm cautiously optimistic. It's exciting news, but at the same time, you're like, okay, what's the catch? As in, I don't trust the NCAA at all to make this work and to for this to actually come to fruition in a timely fashion, right? I don't think they're going to go back on their word and say, oh, no, we're not, we've, double, we've thought about this again. We're not going to allow student-athletes to profit. I just think the NCAA and Mark Emmert are so goddamn inept that this isn't going to be in effect and official for a while. What say you? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, and I, I actually think that's fine because I think there's a number of things that need to be ironed out here still, right? Like, is there a cap to this? Is there a, you know, because I think the, the one thing that everybody worries about is, um, you know, oh, can this car dealership down here pay Zion Williamson a million dollars this year to go and, uh, you know, go to this school and then be the face of this car dealership or whatever, you know, whatever example you can come up with, you know, is there going to be like a limit? You know, is it a hundred thousand dollars a year? Is it 200? Is there a limit? How are we going to prevent people from getting paid, um, you know, multi-millions of dollars and maybe almost a, not a bribery situation, but Hey, come to my school and we'll pay this. And maybe there isn't, maybe there shouldn't be a limit. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know, but I'm sure that's one of the many questions that they'll have to figure out. Obviously, the timing of when this is going to happen is going to be uh, California's is until 2023, right? Right. And so this maybe it'll fall in line in this. And then that's really interesting because now does it need to be moved up before that? Does it need to be moved back now? How, you know, there's a lot that needs to be done uh, in between time. And then also I'm reading here that one of the key points is um, that there should be a, a, a clear distinction between college and professional opportunities and how you're going to interpret what's a college opportunity and what's a professional opportunity uh, is, would be interesting. And then, of course, you have people, I just saw him this tweet uh, a couple of minutes ago, I'm, I'm sure you saw from Senator Richard Burr. In, Such a fucking loser. In North Carolina where he said that if this bill goes through – He's going to be introducing legislation that subjects scholarships given to athletes who choose to cash in to income taxes. So the $42,000 or whatever your scholarship might be worth, uh, he wants to have that taxed. And that's just a perfect example of just why we can't have nice things, you know? So <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's I, absolutely the guy that he's going to mask this and parade it around under the veil of some sort of economic justification. But deep down in places he doesn't want to talk about, it, he's just like, I don't want to see these kids be happy and get get paid. Uh, they, they should, you know, the free education is enough. The free lunch is enough. Right. That's that's really the root cause of that tweet. And if he follows through on it. Oh, 100 percent. And I think, you know, the best example was or best example of why that's not going to work, in my opinion, or why, why his legislation won't work is the first response on that tweet was, oh, so like if an engineering student comes up with some kind of gadget and sells it, does that mean that his scholarship is now needs to be taxed? Yep. So, yeah, I, I think it's tough to tax something like that because, I mean, you, there is a monetary cost to it, sure, a scholarship, um, but how do you determine, you know, whose scholarship is more valuable value and cost maybe aren't the same thing in this particular situation, but how do you determine whose scholarship is more valuable than another's? 
there's just a whole lot of gray area that doesn't need to be even discussed in my opinion on that side where it's just like all right let these guys give these guys the opportunity to make some money these guys and girls excuse me the opportunity to make some money there's a lot to figure out and i would hate to despite the fact this is a monumental decision and a really positive one i would hate to miss the opportunity to still shit on the ncaa in a way and that is that okay so in september is when the bill uh was passed in California. So month, month and a half ago, right? So the NCA was able to come up unanimously and put this kind of deal forward in six weeks, an organization that couldn't put anything together in any amount of time. This was going to be my hug today, but I'm going to skip forward and I'm going to use something else as a hug. Um, we're seven days until the start of college basketball, six days when this gets published. As of right now, according to Jeff Goodman, there's still over 60 players who still don't know if they're eligible yeah. for this coming season. Many of them who have transferred or have applied for their waivers or whatever, but like since April, March of last year, even some who transferred mid-semester or mid-year last year. So how can you come up with an entire change of how you do business in six weeks, give or, give or take? But you can't even figure out if a guy's eligible or not. Yeah, I, I mean, don't. In 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 six months, how, you, these cases should literally be like two day long things. It's almost like job applications in a way, where it's like, no, nah, no, this guy's clearly gaming the system. Not eligible. Oh, okay. No, this guy's trying to get close to his dying grandma. Okay, we get it. Because as we talk about every single episode, we have no idea what makes any of these guys eligible or not. So it's crazy to me that we can come up with a whole uh, shifting of an entire business or organization, however you want to phrase that. And yet we still have people who are waiting today to see if they can even play basketball in a week. Well, you know what it is, is that California and Governor Gavin Newsom forced the NCAA's hand, when, like you had mentioned, when they said that, yeah, we're 100% behind this bill, the NCAA is like, oh, shit, okay, uh, we might have to actually do something here in a very timely fashion. The way I, I think... Uh, your comparison with regards to the transfers is an accurate one. The way I kind of look at it is, you know, we've all been in college and we've had a term paper or procrastinated for studying for a test. And we just completely jam in as much as we can right before the actual test happens. Right. And that's what the NCAA is doing right now. And I've, I've, I've been tweeting about just retweeting the hypocrisy really uh, with regards to some transfers that can play versus some that can't play. And we've mentioned it a million times. It is completely arbitrary, but I, I do think it's funny seeing the NCAA squirm like this because mm -hmm. they, they definitely, I don't think they realized how much momentum this was truly going to get in terms of uh, Florida with Gavin Newsom. And then Ron DeSantis now with Florida or excuse me, California with Gavin Newsom, Ron DeSantis, in Florida. And then you had also mentioned Washington, the state of Washington getting mm -hmm. on board with this as well. So the NCAA, they had their, their, they, they pretty much had their hand forced and this is where we're at. And I'm glad. Uh, but again, I do think that this is going to be a long and drawn out process, which is okay. This is still a lot better than not, not letting them profit off of their likeness at all. It's almost like, the college football playoff, but to a much larger degree, because there's a ton uh, more variables that will go into this and legality that will go into this. But 
the NCAA, like for football, what what they said was, okay, we're going to start planning this uh, this college football playoff as opposed to what we used to do, which was just votes and BCS, yeah, BCS, yeah, and and computers and and, and all that nonsense. So uh, they got it right there. I think they've they will eventually get it right. Hopefully, here with uh, you know paying paying the players or letting them profit off their own likeness. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I think it's, it's never going to be perfect. I think no matter what gets figured out. And that's okay. Time, yeah. 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 And, and I can't, we can't expect it to be flawless since we're coming from such an archaic system as it is. I don't expect it to be a hundred. It's like a first draft almost. Yeah. And that's, and that's fine. And so I'm cool with it. I'm happy about it. Uh, and I think it's a positive step. Um, our, our longtime listener, Cody Hoxie was the first to say it when he, when we were talking about it, he was like, you know, the NCAA is going to fuck this up somehow still. So hopefully, hopefully the powers that be can kind of figure it out. Uh, and, and again, I don't, I think what we need to get past, and I think people for the most part have gotten past this is there's a, there's going to be a number of athletes who are going to say like, well, these kids can't have this type of stuff because we didn't get it while we're in college. And that's a problem with this country as a whole. Yeah. You know, that really, honestly, that's why we can't get over a lot of things. That extends to like healthcare tuition. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, well in 1944, when we had to traipse both ways through the snow, it's like, okay, whatever. We have to get past the point that you didn't get these benefits, but as long as someone in the end can reap these rewards, then that's a good thing. Not like get off my lawn uh, because I didn't That's have Gottlieb, way, baby. So you can't either. Yeah. yeah uh, and, God, and I hate, okay. So I used to really enjoy Doug Gottlieb. Same, right? same. And I used to think it was so just cheap shots about his credit card scandal in college because people do dumb shit and whatever. I, I, I Gottlieb had come out a thousand times talking about how he's wrong and improved all this type of stuff. But it, I, and so I hated when people would say that was, oh, well, yeah, you don't know what a, you know what a good screen is because he stole credit cards in college. You're like, well, no, okay. Right. Like he can still analyze basketball, right? Now, when you start talking about whether college kids are allowed to take money, when you were the one that stole credit cards in college because you didn't have any money, that's where I kind of come back to the, you know, just don't. It's kind of the glass houses situation, you know, where it's like yeah. just maybe just keep this one to yourself because you actually are a prime example of why people should be getting paid because you literally stole credit cards in college because well, you needed money he is or wanted the, money. Yeah. He's the prime example of, and this is the ironic part is uh, stick to sports. Doug Gottlieb and like Clay Travis, they're the ones that are telling people to stick to sports and that's fair. Like you can have your opinion on that, whatever. Right. But in this case, it's me saying to Doug Gottlieb, stick to like literally analyzing those pick and rolls, right? right? right. Stick to analyzing a team's defense because once you step out of that boundaries with your checkered past in college, which a lot of people do have, uh, it's it's not going to be taken very well. So, uh, but a right. big step forward, I think we can all agree, and it definitely had to be covered. I want to transition though to your weekend. Talk to me about Kansas City because you went on literally the perfect weekend that that you could have gone. Kansas State beat Oklahoma, and then of course your Packers won. So take me take me through oh, Friday to just, Sunday. Just a complete uh, luck of the draw. Really, shout out Michelle Damel, my mother there. Couple months ago, she calls me. She goes, "Hey Taylor, do you think uh, you want to go to the Packers Chiefs game this year?" I'm like, "Well, fuck yeah, mom! Like, why? What are we even? Why are we even asking the question? Pull the trigger." So I have some aunts and uncles that live in KC, and my mom had a um, 
had a conference in Lawrence, where she's at right now, actually. And so we decided to come in early. I have a, so- a cousin who's a sophomore at K-State, and it was their homecoming. And so we're looking at the schedule, and we're like, oh, shit. We're going to be there the same weekend as Oklahoma, too. So decided to go out to her homecoming there on Saturday. Woke up 6 in the morning. You know, we're used. We're Pac-12 guys, especially Arizona guys. We're used to having all damn day to tailgate and, you know, get up leisurely, have a, watch the first sets of games, then maybe roll down to the bars for a bit, then get on the campus, you know, whatever, a little later in the day. This game was the first game of the day, as most Big Ten and Big 12 games are. And so uh, 11 a.m., off so we roll into campus about eight it's freezing we're uh we're cooking up the screwdrivers we're uh we're pounding some, some cl smooths there and a uh, great tailgate scene in manhattan there they dare, very much do take their uh their tailgating serious um at k state you can actually go in and out of the stadium as you please as long as you rescan your ticket that's an environment conducive to drinking that's why All- bill snyder is there for 80 million yeah. years yeah right so we actually went out back to the parking lot like two or three times during the game, like quarter breaks and stuff like that. Cause where our seats were was right on the, the, the rear concourse of the stadium. So, I mean, it was only five minutes back out to the car, especially at halftime, you know, and whatever. So back and forth, as long as you were in by the fourth quarter is when you were, is when you were good. So we actually didn't even, we missed kickoff. Um, we actually saw a man have a heart attack in the parking lot uh, before the game. Um, Is but, he okay? No. Uh, but I don't want to bring the mood down of this of this podcast. Probably could but, have just left that out. All right. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, it was kind of a shocking experience. But, um, yeah, they take their ser- football seriously. And then on top of that, K-State played their best game of the year. And Oklahoma probably played their worst. And I said for the game, everyone in the crowd was like, oh, we're going to get crushed today. I said, I didn't fly 900 miles wake up at 6 a.m. to come here and watch a blowout and i didn't so k-state ended go ahead i was just gonna say can i ask real quick before you even stepped foot into the stadium you gashed your hand yes uh i was bleeding at 8 39 in the morning because i cut my hand on ice actually making screwdrivers and luckily i noticed no no uh no blood made it into any other drinks but but yeah so i was i was bleeding you know, again, as we've talked about on previous episodes, we're, it's fall. It's football season. you got to play hurt sometimes, you know, and so I had to play hurt that day. Um, so, yeah, K-State ended up winning, being the number five team in the country. Uh, that was awesome. Uh, went out and hung out around uh, through Aggieville, which is their bar area there in Manhattan, and then uh, checked out my cousin's uh, sorority house and whatnot there. So kind of your, your standard, exactly what you would think. Um, made it home back to KC that night, had some barbecue, woke back up the next day, headed down to Arrowhead stadium for Packers chiefs and Arrowhead is dope. Arrowhead is dope. It's, uh, uh, you gotta go. If you're listening to this right now and you're a football fan, uh, you gotta go. Cause that place is, it's like Lambeau field and green Bay in a lot of ways in that, like, this is a traditional thing. This isn't yeah. like a new corporate, whatever. This is like, yeah, we've been here for 60 years. Like I grew up next to Lamar hunt type of people, you know, then. So, uh, we had a great tailgate spot with some family friends 
Uh, Edward Dammel, my dad had a fireball shot or two before that beforehand. So that's huge. That's huge. You know, set the tone, set the tone, have to have to. And then the Packers came away with a big victory. Although, you know, Patrick Mahomes wasn't playing. I get that, but great game. And there's probably about 20,000 Packer fans there. And yeah, big weekend there in KC. Uh, I, you know, it's interesting because this is a college basketball podcast. So I don't want to belabor the football point here, but we, I think when you think of, Kansas and college athletics, you instantly, you, you think of KU and basketball, yeah. right? Right. I probably their most successful and tradition rich program right, in the state, right. but I don't think local Kansas city people. I'm th- I think it's real split from what I could tell. And obviously I, I was with K state people between K state and Kansas or like but, Kansas yeah, and Kansas no, city chiefs. No, between K state and KU. Yeah. KU or K-State has a much richer football history and they take football very seriously in Kansas and because of the Chiefs, because KU doesn't have any football history, really. So it was really interesting because uh, obviously we're not in basketball season quite yet, but there was a lot more K-State stuff around in KU stuff, even though Kansas City is closer to uh, Lawrence. Lawrence. But... um, but yeah, so that's what I thought was interesting. Is K State? I mean, it, there was a lot more love than locally than you than received nationally. Kansas gets a lot of love nationally. It's almost like having not been there and not knowing this specifically. It's almost maybe how I would anticipate take Duke out of it because I'm not going to count them in this situation. But maybe how like a UNC and NC State, yeah, where you know where we think of UNC as like the you know like yeah that's the school in, yeah. in North Carolina, you know. Because Duke is private and small, and I just don't, you know. Nobody ever really, in terms of like the fandom and and people that rep that their schools. It, you're right. I mean, Duke's small too, right? Right. It's only like seven, eight thousand kids. So, so but yeah, I, I think, yeah. I, I think if you went to North Carolina, you would find equal amount of UNC and yeah. NC State people. And I think a lot. I think that's probably a good, good uh, um, analogy for the K State KU. Where us nationally, from the outsiders, we as outsiders, we think of KU as the school there. In reality, it's probably 50-50. Yeah, well, I mean, it's all it all comes down to publicity and titles and traditions, right? I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I think Kansas basketball, you could argue, has the greatest tradition in all of sports. Right. Uh, literally, the, the guy who invented the game was yeah. at Kansas. Right? Right. He, co- he coached at Kansas. So it, it doesn't get more traditional than that. And then I think just in terms of winning, right, Kansas has that going for them as well as opposed to Kansas State. Kansas State, you know, it isn't necessarily synonymous. They're just always going to be viewed as the little brother to Kansas, in right. my eyes at from least. From outsiders, from outsiders. Exactly, right. from from but outsiders' think, perspective. Right. Once you step foot into Kansas City, I'm sure that is that is different. So right. one, one last point, though, that I want to get to before we two, – two quick points, actually, before we actually get into our Big 12 preview. Number one, uh, Kansas State fans are insane. They yeah. are – Low key and what are the most underrated savage sports? That's kind of what races? I was. That's kind of where I was crazy. going with that. Yeah, but right. I'm talking sure in terms of their fandom, but I'm also talking in terms of their drinking and partying ability. So, oh yeah, UCLA was playing Kansas State in a bowl game. I think this was Rosen's last year, maybe a second of last year. They were playing in Phoenix uh, in their bowl game, and we decided to go to that game, or we had attempted. We were planning to go to that <laughs> game, and so we're downtown. And we're partying and we meet this group of K-State people. 
And I think at about an hour, I was literally, I was like a, a 15 on a 10 strictly <laughs> because of them. They kept feeding me beers. It wasn't like, Hey, do you want to come up to the bar with me? We'll both get a drink. It's like, here's another, here's another. Just, I mean, I was toting the rock all day. I had about 15 carries for like 200 <laughs> yards that day. And I was just dead after that. I, I completely blacked out. And so the, the thing that takes it to the next level though, is I remember talking with these people and I asked them like, Oh yeah, how are you guys feeling? They're like, Oh, like about the fucking game, like about Josh right. Rosen. They're like, Oh, I'm feeling pretty good. I actually took, <laughs> took some Molly before this game. Like, <laughs> What? These guys, these guys, these guys were fucking tailgating with Molly. And I was like, okay, this, I don't know what the fuck goes on in Manhattan, Kansas, but this is completely new to me. So that was when I kind of said to myself, oh shit, you know, we are not in Kansas anymore. anymore. Wow. Wow. Toto. So it was that. And then also (laughs) the next day, this girl that we were drinking with because we, we had a mutual friend or whatever. She literally like fell down uh, some steps and completely rearranged her face. Mm. Like she had to get straight up facial reconstruction surgery the whole night because of a cactus bowl game (laughs) between (laughs) UCLA and Kansas State. So a hat tip to them. When I heard that you were going there to tailgate, I was like, look, man, in my very limited exposure to to Kansas State fans and, and drinking with them, it's a wild time. So I'm glad you had a great time. Very last thing I want to ask you about uh, the Kansas city airport, because you are not the first oh, person to tell me that it is God. the worst place on earth. It has also been described by my friend. I think you would described it as quote, cold war, Russia. Yeah. My 100%. buddy said it was worse than Soviet union, Russia. Yeah. Right. So it is. And, Why? and this, this isn't like a new thought that I've had. I've had that every single time that I've been there, which is, not all that, not all that many times, but maybe a handful this this far. It was built in the '60s, like way out, way. Out. If you think Denver's airport is way out of town, Kansas City's airport is even further out of town, and it is just classic '60s concrete, like bunker looking. You can't get cell phone service in there because it's like 83 feet deep of concrete. The gates don't make any sense. The security doesn't make any sense. There's like a pizza hut uh, in there and like one place to get water bottles. We went and sat down at one bar and for 45 minutes, we didn't get any service, even though the server looked at us like 20 times and said, I'll be right there. And then on top of all that, they're constructing a new airport there, thank God. But because of the construction someone cut up a fiber optic cable that runs to the airport, which means the entirety of the internet and computer systems at the airport were down. No scanning of apps, no printing of boarding passes at the kiosks, no nothing. So we literally got tickets on that were written in pen on like, uh, what's that paper, you know, or the, the like construction white, paper with no, the white and yellow copy and the pink copy, whatever that's whatever like that's stick, Con- sticky notes. No, like a contact Post-it paper notes? or whatever, oh. or you rip off the front one when you get like a ticket here. Here's my, Oh copy. yeah. Here, yeah. Yeah. Here. I know what you're talking. I know yeah. what you're talking about. Is that about. contact paper, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that was what our ticket was on. So <laughs> it was, I mean, the, that sounds so decrepit. It was awful. And everybody's freaking out because nobody knew what to do. And, and then you got people, of course, and nothing better than these people. And I know you have a mutual hate for these t- people too, okay? So the line to get, so we couldn't scan apps, right? So you couldn't even go up 
everyone had to get a printed or a written boarding pass. So every single person in the airport is in line to get a boarding pass. And then you have people who walk cut in front of you or try to slide past you to go use the kiosk in front of a two hour line and tap on it and go, Oh, does anyone know if these are working? And everyone just looks at him and goes, what the fuck do you think? We're here for like what? Yeah, like have a feel. And then it's just like, just every two minutes, there'd be a new guy that would roll in and be like, Oh man, it's crazy busy. Did they slide in there? Okay. Yeah. Knock. Hey, do you know if any of these are working over and over again? But then what made it worse is the fact that, well, a couple of reasons. K-State had a home game against Oklahoma. So you had Oklahoma fans. Not, as, not nearly as many. Uh, KU actually won their football wild, game. Wild finish there, too. Right, right. And so what's the last weekend that K-State and KU won a football game in the same weekend? Right. right. And then you had Packer fans, which, as you know, are probably the top three travel fan bases in the NFL. So, I mean, there were not figuratively, but literally 10,000 Packer fans probably at the Kansas City airport before noon on – the game went till midnight so no one was like hopping the 6 a.m flights so you had like a, an extremely busy weekend for all uh, especially on a monday morning to get out of there every single flight was full so huge mess so uh an otherwise great weekend luckily we got out and everything was fine and and whatnot but man the kansas city Air- airport is just it's yeah it's just like soviet russia pretty much Noted. in there Noted. Yeah. Well, I've the closest I've ever flown into there is Columbia, Missouri, and it's the smallest airport of all time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's only two flights going in and out from Chicago and Dallas. And uh, actually, I've flown out of the St. Louis airport as well. So, but I mean, but, but at the end of the day, that's still terrible. probably better option. So, one more, one more point before we move on to our actual preview here is um, so I'll actually I'll have to talk to my mother, Michelle who will be at Fog Allen Fieldhouse on Thursday for a Kansas exhibition game against whoever they're playing. And so I'll have to get her feel on the opinion of uh, the, the difference between K-State and KU fans. How, how I'll leave that is, and you were completely right in them being crazy people, right? KU fans strike me as like elitist, like, oh, we're, we are the college basketball program. We, you know, we care about the game too much to get hammered before the game type of, whereas K-State just seems like you're every man from the plains. Like, yeah, fuck it. You know, let's get out there and have some fun. Which is kind of funny because we talk about how people within the state view K-State and, and Kansas as someone not from Kansas. I view both of them as like farmer rednecks. Right. That's kind of how I just look. Right. <laughs> right. I think, but I think the people who are like, oh yeah, well, you know, you've heard of kind of like Duke fans almost in a way. Oh, you've heard of Cameron Indoor, right? You've heard of Fog Allen, right? You've been there before? You know, no, K- dude, never, never yeah, fucking heard of it. Yeah, K- K-State fans are like, hey, beer? You heard of that before? Because we like <laughs> that. So that's I, – I am i don't like Kansas, like, like KU. I, I, they're one of my least favorite uh, schools in the country. And I can tell you now that's even more exacerbated after my trip to K-State. I'm like, that's my, that's my plain school now. That's my plain state school is K-State. Well, 100%. then we're rivals. Then we're rivals because a couple episodes ago I said Kansas is my new team. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> let's dive into our Big 12 preview here. Uh, we'll start with Coach of the Year, Taylor. Who you got in the start, Big 12 for Coach of the Year? Starting with Coach of the Year. So I don't like this guy necessarily, but I think that he's going to have a much improved squad over last year, uh, and that's Scott Drew with Baylor. I think that it's another great example of um, you know Bill Self's the best coach of the conference. We know that. Everybody knows that. Kansas is the best 
basketball school in the conference. And like you said, arguably the best basketball school in the country, you know, so Bill self theoretically could, could win the coach of the year every year, except for last year, he wouldn't have won it last year. Um, so, but I think Scott Drew is going to have a much improved team over last year. They don't have a lot of stuff or stars. Baylor doesn't have stars, but they have a lot of returners and they have, um, especially, uh, their guy that got hurt there, uh, in the middle of last year. Uh, what's his name? Oh, Tristan Clark, Tristan Clark. Uh, they, he's got hurt. He was on a tear last year. Going to be an all conference player this year, in my opinion. Uh, they have uh, a great, couple of good transfers that are coming in there. So I think that they're going to be a solid tournament team. They're going to be, in my opinion, a top five seed in the tournament. But you're not going to look at Baylor and be like, I don't think Baylor's ever going to crack the top 10. In my, you know, right. But I also don't think that they're going to fall outside the rankings at all this year. I think they're just going right. to be a solid, you know, squad that rolls through the whole year. Actually, their, their biggest non-conference game is also uh, – you're, could be that, yeah, it could be our for Arizona's game. And, and maybe not biggest, but maybe as the perfect uh, determining factor on how they're going to, how good they're going to be this year. And you could say the yep. same thing about Arizona. I think it will be a good barometer, actually. And I, right. quick side note about that game. I remember last year after Arizona hosted Baylor and lost that game to, I think Makai Mason was on that team. Uh, Tristan Clark was playing in that game because I think yeah. he got injured second half of the year, like you had mentioned. Right. But Arizona got out-rebounded by some obsce- – oh, it was 34. The reason I know that is because I asked the Shark, I said, I'm going to give you a famous basketball player, and it's going to be that person's number. Right. And it was Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, funny. Arizona got out-rebounded by 34 fucking rebounds. Oh. Do not let that happen again this year, no. please, Sean Miller. So two things about Baylor, too, before I move on to the player of the year, the winner here, is they probably have the best name in the conference. Maybe two of them, actually. Uh, one of them is Devontae Bandu, which has to Busting be... out the Bandu. Which has to be... Uh, why can't I think of the rapper's name? Uh, T.I.? No. Uh, the guy with one eye. Fetty Wap? Fetty Wap. That's got to be Fetty Wap's, because every song he had Bando, but you know, yeah. whatever. That's neither here nor there. Uh, he did lead the Big 12 in three-point shooting last year at 40%, so shooter... And then you have Mo Bamba. You have off-brand Mo Bamba in Flow Thamba, <laughs> which is just a ridiculous name. The That's fact good. that, and also in the Big Twelve, no less. Flow Thamba. You can look this up. This is now. This is a real dude. Um, he's six foot ten, six foot eleven center. I uh, should be in the rotation as well. So what a name, Flow Thamba. For that reason alone, Scott Drew is going to be the, my coach of the year. Still not the coolest D1 athlete's name I've heard this week, though. That would go, go to uh, the coldest, Crawford, who just signed with LSU. Wait, Football. did we see Did we see what his middle name was, though? It's it's not to ever do it, though. It's like oh, Juan. It? No, uh, it's Juan. Oh, yeah, you're right. It is Juan, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, come on. It's, yeah, it's, right. I'm not calling him the coldest Juan Crawford. <laughs> yeah, watch, watch. Yeah, if you don't make it as a pro athlete, as the coldest Crawford, maybe they just gave him an out. Hi, I'm Juan Crawford. Oh, okay. Nice yeah. to meet you, Juan. You know, I, I think like... you have to. It's like a plan B, dude. You can't go to a nine to five with the coldest. <laughs> I still still can't get over that name. So um my you want my winner or my player of the year? Give me player of the year. So 
there are two players specifically that I thought about going with other than this guy. But I, as you'll notice, a theme in my player of the year uh, picks that we've had so far, uh, I'm, I'm going with improved individuals more than new return or new studs that are coming into in, onto campus. So my player of the year is Tyrese Halliburton from Ohio or from Iowa state. He should be the most improved player in the conference and has shot up draft boards uh, from the end of last year, all the way through this year was a, uh, on the U19 team USA team this year was an all-star top five player in the FIBA tournament. And he's just a, he's a six, five long wing. He had the highest uh, assist to turnover ratio of any freshman in the Big 12 since 92-93 last year at four and a half to one. I'm taking Tyrese Halliburton at Iowa State. And they're actually, he is one of the reasons why I also have Iowa State making the tournament. I uh, don't have them winning the conference. Uh, I think we can all guess who the, my winner is going to be in this conference. But I think Iowa State behind Tyrese Halliburton is going to be my pick of the year for the player of the conference. And... Probably a sneaky. I mean, if he gets to that level, he's also going to be a sneaky All-American candidate as well. Um, because if he wins the Player of the Year over anybody, the people of Kansas, that means that he had that type of level of year. Uh, could have gone with Devon Dodson. Could have gone gone with our boy Azubuki from Kansas. But um, I I almost thought that those two guys were going to split votes with each other, and that Halliburton was going to kind of fill that gap and maybe right. eke out enough, a, a couple more votes than either of those two guys, just because I, I simply think that they're both equally as good. Devon Dotson might get a couple more votes just because he's the lead guard for Kansas. And that's just kind of what happens there. But I think that uh, Tyrese Halliburton is going to be the guy that people go, okay, well, if these two guys were equally as talented on Kansas, this guy was the most talented guy on this team. And so I'm going to go with Tyrese Halliburton. But that also means that my winner is Kansas. And we could probably go into three hours of why Kansas would win the conference, but really we could put it just into the fact that the rest of the Big 12 isn't that good. Not at the top end. There's just not – I mean, Texas Tech is not going to be as good as they are. They were last year. Um, Chris Kansas, Beard, though, man. I've, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm done doubting Texas No, I love him. No, I, I love him. I just don't think they're going to – I just don't think they're going to have enough talent to beat Kansas. And funny enough, K-State is who won the conference last year. They won the tiebreaker. They don't do tiebreakers in the Big 12. So they actually split it, I guess you could say, with Texas Tech. K-State might be the worst team in the conference, though, this year, which is kind of crazy because they lost mm -hmm. everybody from that team. But I don't think Texas Tech is going to return enough talent to get past um, – to get past Kansas, they're going to need. They got David Moretti. They do have the best freshman in the con in the conference in uh, Jameis Ramsey. He's the best recruit, the highest ranked recruit that Texas Tech has ever had in basketball. I mean, it's crazy. Like again, last episode we said Lubbock restaurants are giving Chris fucking Beard free salsa, and this guy's getting the best recruits they've ever had. He's ever. getting them ever. to within five minutes of a national championship. Right. He's got them to an elite, and you give them salsa. So right. yeah, I, I mean, I, that, I, but I, have I, you I, ever? Did you ever think you would say like the best incoming freshman? There have been times where the best player in the Big Twelve ended up being a Texas Tech player, best freshman of the entire conference. Right, crazy. He's, he's an all he's an all conference type of player. Um, and then they have Chris Clark, the transfer from Virginia Tech shooter. 
so I, they're going to be really good. Don't get me wrong. They're going to be top four seed in the tournament. I just don't. Kansas is a legit national championship contender. Honestly, I know that we wouldn't have said this about Texas Tech last year either because they were ranked like 18 to 20 coming into last year's season. And Kansas actually reached the number one team in the country for several weeks there. But you'd rather have Texas Tech had that perfect ascension of what you want to do throughout the years. They were never ranked less the week before than they were going forward. They ascended every single week all the way up to number two at the end of the year. And that started early in the the season too. Yeah, no, you're right. right. But it started early in the season too with Texas Tech because I'll never forget when they played Duke last year, they hung with them and I did not expect them to even come close to hanging with Duke. And then you said to yourself, okay, wait a minute. If they can hang with Duke in MSG on a big time national scale, they should be coming off of an elite eight season with, we weren't as high on Chris Beard as we are today, but knowing that and Jarrett Culver hadn't necessarily burst onto the scene like he ended up doing. uh, But that was for me, the turning point of, okay, Texas tech might be for real. Well, and so I I guess, sure. We could argue that maybe Texas tech can still reach that level because they obviously have a good coach and they have now, I don't want to call it a pedigree, but they have, they understand how to handle expectations and whatnot you're going to need to replace someone like Jared Culver. And that's a tough ask for anybody, let alone an incoming freshman. Odiasi too, I think. Yeah. Right. So there's an interesting um, kind of recruiting story to this conference too. And that is that there's no five-star recruits coming into this conference this year, at least not rated by two, four, seven. And that's kind of who I like to go through. That's debatable for whatever service you like to like to use, but there's no consensus five-star recruits coming into this conference. And, you know, usually you say Baylor pull a couple freak athletes is kind of their usual guy. Um, Iowa State gets a gets one every so often. Obviously, Kansas gets one or two. But I don't know how much the kind of scandal situation affected them last year. Kind of same thing with uh, some of the other schools that were involved in that. So no five stars, which does mean that maybe Kansas might be ripe for picking off again. I don't see it because... It now means that Kansas has a lot of returners and you could even call D'Souza at Kansas an incoming five-star recruit because the dude hasn't even been able to play because the NCAA is dumb as hell. So um, that's going to be an interesting uh, point to this conference is that no one school has way better freshmen than the other. And that's usually you would say, okay, so not only does Kansas, do they have the best returning players, but they have the best uh freshman their recruiting class was ranked first in the conference 15th nationally texas tech was ranked second in the conference 16th nationally texas was ranked third in the conference 17th nationally so they were all in that type of range there um and so i i I guess it's all about the returners this year and kansas just returns more talent than any other team in the conference and that's why i have them as my winner yeah, it's pretty interesting though. We talked about the SEC and how, and, and I think I have thoughts about the SEC the same way you have these thoughts about the Big Twelve, which is there's that clear cut number one in SEC's case. There's two, and then I think the rest of the conference sucks outside of Florida and Kentucky with the SEC. And it seems as if you're trying to say, eh, outside of let's say the clear cut number one in, in Kansas and then Iowa state slash Texas tech and Baylor, uh, Baylor, Baylor, yeah. Baylor. Yeah. Yeah. 
right? I don't even think Iowa State's that good. Okay, really. then yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll really. subtract I, Baylor and, and Texas Tech. There you go. Right. You know, I think I only think five teams from the conference are making the tournament. And, the, and I think that uh, the first the first three in KU, Texas Tech, Baylor, pretty, uh, you know, Solid. obvious. Yeah, I would yeah they're locks. But then after that, I have Iowa State, and then I have Texas just because of the return of Andrew Jones. But I, Texas could finish last too. They're I mean, I mean, there's forever a bubble team. It's crazy. That second five in the big, the second five in the Big Twelve are almost interchangeable. Yeah, really. I mean, I think there's argument to be made. I've seen just like we said in the last uh, last pod about SEC. I have people. I see people that have ranked West Virginia to finish last again. And I have seen people have West Virginia as a bubble team in the tournament. So that last five, I definitely think that they're going to be towards the bottom end for another year. But yeah. those bottom five are completely interchangeable compared to, uh, you know, like the top four, who at least three, who I think are pretty solid. And I don't think that I, it's funny because I don't think Baylor is ever going to get better than Texas Tech either. Right. I just think that they're kind of slot into, you know, top two seed, top four seed top six seed type of range and they're going to stay in their lanes i guess for lack of a better term right well i hate to bore the theater goers with this segment because it's going to be boring because i agree with every single one of your predictions i'll start with coach of the year i am going to go with scott drew and waco i think this baylor team you had mentioned this and actually a lot of the reasoning is pretty similar so i'm going to try and I don't know. Here's what I'll just do. word it better than here's I what did. I'll do. Yeah. This is kind of like a, a, another essay that I've written in high school. Like, <laughs> I'll just use different adjectives. I'll go to like synonyms.com instead of dictionary.com. <laughs> just use really long words. Yeah. Okay. Bullshit somehow. Right. So, uh, I, but I, in all seriousness, you know, I'm sticking behind all these picks. I'm going with Scott drew, but I'll try and offer maybe an alternate. So Scott Drew's going to win coach of the year because this Baylor team, they used to get studs, right? freak athletes and then the rest of the unit would do their best to fill in fill in behind them you talk about guys like isaiah austin torian prince perry jones those are all five-star recruits that come to mind and then they just end up fizzling out in the first round of the tournament uh actually one of those fizzle out tournament games was against their future point guard makai mason against when makai mason was playing with yale and i think after that game torian prince gave us an unreal post-game soundbite about being out rebounded when he was like you jump for the ball and that's a rebound go look it up it's like the most and they were like the most athletic team in the country playing against an ivy League league school yeah Yeah, right so uh but I, i think this year scott drew has a great mix of those guys right it's not leaning one way or the other uh, and you had mentioned again, Tristan Clark, he returns after injury this year. He goes, as far as he goes, Baylor's going to go. And I think Scott Drew's going to have to be able to coach up everyone from the back. So Tristan Clark returning is, is monstrous for them. And I think he's also going to win because there's going to be some voter fatigue. Now, if you can already believe it, but there probably is voter fatigue with Chris Beard and, and Texas tech clearly bill self. You had, you had alluded to that. Mm-hmm. And, but in addition to self and voter fatigue, Kansas is expected to run through the conference and, and win the national title potentially, right? So any, everything that he does is gravy. He mm-hmm. needs to win a national title. So if he wins the conference again, uh, which he didn't do last year since the first time, I don't know, like my balls dropped, like 14. the first Bush administration, 14, 14 years. years. Yeah, yeah, right. It was so, actually the Bush administration, though. So, yeah, yeah, no, I know. That wasn't facetious. I, I looked yeah, that yeah, up as well. Right. So Bill Self, I, 
voter fatigue and Kansas has well, such high expectations and Chris Beard, I think people have already been like, eh, all right, he's done now. Now it's time for him to take the next step. Scott Drew uh, winning coach of the year, I think would well, be a good next step also. Chris Beard has won the big 12 coach of the last two years in a row. And exactly. He the, and he won the national coach of the year last year. So people aren't going to, we get it, Chris. Well, and their expectations are so much lower than last year or not lower than la- not lower than the beginning of last year. But right. now that you've been to a final four, and then you don't go to the final four the next year, then that people are, oh, well, what, it's kind of a down year. In reality, it's not because it's Texas Tech. You're still building the program. I expect yeah. them to be right back there next year because now that they have kind of a recruiting push that they're making. But, yeah, that's I, – I, like I said, yeah. obviously I agree with all your thoughts on Scott Drew. This, Baylor is really solid top to bottom. There's not a weak point necessarily. They just don't have the top-end stud that maybe they, they would need to – or multiple studs to – to uh, make noise in the tournament, but I think he's right. he's going to get them. Actually, I think Baylor is going to be a top three seed because they're going to beat one. So I think you're pretty I, high on them. I am pretty high on Baylor because I think they're going to get some huge wins. I, I actually think they might beat uh, a Kansas or a Texas Tech that's going to boost their resume. But you're right with the expectations thing with Chris Beard. If you don't go to another Final Four championship game, that, that's that salsa is going to be cut off, baby. Yeah, you're going right. to pay that extra you twenty-five imagine? cents. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Coach of the year, Scott Drew. I guess an alternate. I'll just go with the guy who's won it the past two years, the national coach of the year, like you mentioned, Chris Beard. Player of the year, fuck, I also went Tyrese Halliburton. I thought he was going to be I thought I was kind of going. I thought, yeah, I know. I did too. Yeah, right. Sam, I'll give you an alternative, though, who I actually truly believe could win it. Uh, It's Yudoka Azabuke. Yeah. I think. Mm I, I think he was preseason player of the year last year, and then he got hurt, which really sucks. I hope he can stay. I hope he can stay healthy because he is the heart and soul of that Kansas team. He may not be the most talented. You could argue that he is, but heart and soul, leadership wise, he's that guy. He's and, played in. He's, he's played monster. in the final four. Yeah, he's a, he's incredibly good. So uh, if you want to look for someone outside of Halliburton, Azubuki is it. But I'm going Tyrese Halliburton as well, six five guard who can shoot really well and. The production is going to be on him to to come through. Iowa State doesn't necessarily have that well-rounded team that you've come to expect from them, but that's not to say he's not going to get support. I think Steve Prom does a great job of he's done a great job of keeping this program afloat after Hoiberg left, and he can groom players. Right? Nobody heard or knew about Taylor Horton Tucker a year ago. Turned him into a second-round pick. He's able to recruit as well. Mariel Shayok you know, from the transfer window, he got him over as well. So I think Steve Prom is a good enough coach to help uh, Tyrese Halliburton. And I agree with you in the sense that if Halliburton can up his scoring, almost like a Jordan Nawara, if Jordan right, Nawara... That was my exact comp in this yeah. situation. If not, Nawara, from, not, from, well, not from their playing standpoint, but from the if they the, do the what they can do. Yeah. There, yeah, if right. Nawara can score, he's going to be ACC player of the year, which we which we thought. If we can increase his, what, I think 17 points per game to, let's say, 25 or maybe a little, somewhere between 20 and 25, he's ACC right. player of the year. Same with Halliburton. Uh, I think he's going to get the Big 12 player of the year and then also jump into that lottery projection so i got tyrese halliburton with uh an alternate of doke as your player of the year in the big 12 and then last but not least this i actually don't feel that bad about agreeing with but it's kansas regular season champion number two overall team in the country national title uh, aspirations but there are my reasoning is different from yours and i'm actually excited to share that so we had talked about this but they finally lost 
the Big 12 last year. They didn't win at least a share of the Big 12 title for the past 14 years. Again, I think like my voice was cracking at that point. I was going through puberty. It's crazy to think of the absolute domination that they've done. And I'm a huge sucker for things that have happened or things that have transpired since the last time Kansas won. There's got to be a graphic out there that I, I want to see. But Kansas not hasn't won uh, or isn't defending champions. So there's a chip on their shoulder. Doke is back. Devon Dotson's back. Silvio D'Souza, who is probably going to be in the uh, Ved Wilder house at some point because he's been on the team, I swear, since like Josh Jackson. Yes. All three of those guys are back. And I, I mean, I can't stress enough how good their front court is going to be with D'Souza and Doke. Uh, it's going to be terrifying. So those three, the kind of like the three horsemen, they're, they're back. And then uh, Kansas is going to be so pissed. Not just regarding the Big 12 thing, not, not, not having one, but here's right. their inspiration right now. As Ibuki's coming back from injury, he's going he's gonna to be on a, a prove-it mission, right? Yes. He's going to say, you guys dubbed me this last year. I didn't even get a chance to show how good I could be. I've got a full season of rehab under my belt. I'm coming back. D'Souza, finally eligible. This is a fuck you to the NCAA. Okay, yep. you've you've been screwing with my eligibility for the past what three years? He's finally back. There's for no even, reason. For, for no, no reason. reason. He's got a. I'm going to put it in air quotes. A clean bill of health. There's yeah. not like there's always been something plaguing him, surrounding him in terms of his eligibility. To the best of my knowledge, we're all good. We're good to go, right? Right. So that's D'Souza. That's Doke. Two of their best players having some serious motivation. Uh, we mentioned that they didn't win the Big 12 title this year or last year, and that's going to be embarrassing to them. They're going to enter the season with some sort of embarrassment. They're also going to enter the season. They had, they still had a talented roster last year, uh, and a lot of people still pick them. They know that they yeah. can get knocked off. But lastly, their leader, Bill Self, under fire from the NCAA all offseason, and we've seen in the past couple of weeks with his midnight madness and even his words that he is on a fuck you scorched earth tour. So Bill Self is going to he's he's now like I think he has a legitimate fire under his ass that he still has to win the Big 12, which would be a new accomplishment. He's going to go win a national title, which is always the expectation there at Kansas. Right. Uh, and he's going to flip off the NCAA alongside D'Souza. So those are my biggest reasons why kansas is going to win the the regular season championship they have so many sources of inspiration alongside the fact that they're pretty damn good all right so here you go things that were happening the last time that kansas didn't win the big 12 thank you for bringing that up no problem facebook could just launch the motorola razor was the most number one selling phone in the country great actually ennis Cantor apparently still owns one uh yes but that's a story for another time uh, the number one song in the country. Do you know the number one song in the country in March of 2004? Was it a Sean Paul song? No, I, but Get I wish busy. it was. No, <laughs> you're right in that range, though. It's uh, yeah. Wow. Oh, I should. Yeah. yeah Fuck. Right. This is actually a little more wild, though. Number one uh, movie at the box office was 50 First Dates. Because that seems like forever ago. That's good theater. That's good. Chris, That's a good movie. Chris Paul was a freshman in college. Barack Obama was a senator. Les Miles was the coach at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma, current Oklahoma coach, Lon Kruger, had just gotten fired from his job as the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks. 
Tom Kruger was head coach of the – I didn't even know he was NBA head coach. And uh, the Red Sox hadn't even won a World Series yet. So That's crazy. Yep, and Perry Ellis was also a freshman. No, that was not true. <laughs> that was not true. Clever. Yeah. Dude, I thought you said Perry Jones for a second, and I was going to be like, what? Shut up. Yeah, right. So, See, no, Perry Ellis is a lot more plausible. I agree with all of your – I think just the fuck you factor is, is a big enough one. Uh, if everything else was equal, I think the fuck you factor would be enough. But the fact that they do have the best roster, the best coach, arguably the best coach, probably the best coach, and the fuck you factor is is – the, the they're all legitimate reasons to, to pick make them. no mistake about it the fuck you factor is a real real thing oh 100%. It, it, it absolutely especially with college kids who are like i don't know they always feel slighted by something so and nobody believed in us Subi. yeah there you go come 15, on the patriots, the patriots have been using that for 20 years We're oh the six, 16 and 0 patriots nobody thought we'd win the super Bowl hey man this year. Tell your boy fucking Nick Wright that, okay? Hey, that is that's there's, not my there's boy. There's receipts on him. That's not my boy at all. That's not uh, my boy at all. Big but, 12 uh, is going to be very interesting this year. Though. I'm looking you, forward to that. You did bring up one, or we forgot to bring up one guy with Kansas that I think is going to have a pretty big impact, or at least a solid impact, and that's Isaiah Moss, uh, transfer from uh, Iowa, who uh, is uh, also a shooter, and he's yep. gonna he's gonna provide. Uh, uh, he's not going to score a ton of points, but he's just going to provide uh, that outside shot that uh, Kansas probably needs because it's not like Azubuki and D'Souza and stuff are going to be hitting a lot of outside shots. But having a, a knockdown shooter like that, um, especially on the outside, it's going to be – or especially a senior or an older player, it's going to be a, uh, an important factor for any college basketball team, but especially one with the aspirations that Kansas has. So. Well, you, you know what's going to be – you know what's a, another kind of troubling thing that I noticed since we were previewing this? Only one mention, and that was kind of in passing by you, about Shaka Smart in Texas. Not a, like yeah. Neither of us even – did you even consider any Texas player for player of the year? Did you even consider Shaka for coach of the year? Did you even consider Texas nope. to win the Big 12 nope. title? I think that they have a cool story, and Andrew Jones coming back from leukemia is an awesome yeah, story. Yeah, that's an awesome story. And they have my boy, Barrow Alaska owns Kamaka Hepa. You know, I love Hepa. Right, but um, no, and I think I think Shaka Smart is squarely on the hot seat this year. Uh, if he doesn't, I mean, if they don't make the tournament, well, it's a they, yearly I, game they play. I, I like, the, like, the, is he on the hot seat or not? And I think. It's for every co- I, I, I for the life of me, I will never figure out Texas athletics. I, I I just can't. Their football team isn't any good. Again, you know they they've been back how many times? Every single year they beat like an overrated whatever team in the first five weeks, and then Texas is back, and then they go to barely making a bowl. I don't get it. You have the most uh, uh, valuable. Who did they lose to this past weekend? At- I was they, just trying they lost to think someone. That. It, it was it was an, it was a bad loss, but I agree. Like, TCU, TCU, TCU. Yeah, right. I mean, and so not only does Texas lose to teams that they shouldn't, they lose to teams in, in their own state yeah. that they shouldn't lose to because TCU is yeah. not even good this year. No. So I don't. And same with basketball. You know, you think to yourself, a team that had Kevin Durant on it, and this is kind of an, a super overused example, but let's use it just because looking back as we were previewing or you know doing the research for this preview. If you're listening to this right now, go back and look at Kevin Durant's stats from the year he was at Texas. They were psychotic. He, he led the Big 12 in everything. Blocks, steals, 
rebounds. Yeah, but it's just like 26 points a game. I mean, he, he, had an, he has an NBA veteran in DJ Augustine on that team as well. I like, mean, they, they, but no, I mean, just his stats alone are absurd. I, that, yeah, no, I agree. I'm just saying he's got someone else with him too. Yeah, right. No, and you could say that about a number of Texas teams. Really, because you look and you're like, oh man, Texas, they got some super talent and from an NBA level, or at least a, a drafted level. Not that they necessarily made it as stars in the NBA, but I mean, think to yourself, like, huh, well, what's the best Texas basketball team I can think of? Like, Very tepid. Sweet 16 one time. I think it you was know? like TJ Ford, Royal Ivy. Uh, I don't know. Like well, a long I, be- I believe that was Royale. 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 <laughs> my bad. It was a long time ago, though, for sure. And like, you have. And I, and I just don't. I, you have I'm sorry, not to interrupt you. Pr- prior. Yeah. And yeah, not to interrupt you, but I just don't. I just don't get it. I don't understand why. You know, because you've got all of the talent in your backyard. You, you've you've got four of the three of the four of the 10 or 12 largest cities in the country are within 250 miles of campus. And that's not even counting like the South that you can recruit or the rest of the Plains or the Midwest that you could recruit. You could probably fill out your entire basketball squad just from the Dallas, Houston and Austin area and San Antonio too. But Houston and Dallas alone are all the places you would ever need to recruit. So yeah, it's crazy to me that, they're just not good. They're just they're just never good, and it just doesn't make any doesn't make any sense to me. Forever a bubble team, man. Yeah. So you had you had some good name drops there about previous players on Texas. Let's go ahead and dive into our starting five favorite Big Twelve players. But before we do that, a quick message from the Barnburner Podcast Network. All right, Taylor, starting five, your all time favorite Big Twelve players. Kick us off. So I came to uh, a conclusion while I was going through my list uh, and just full disclosure on how I go through and find this is I pretty much go back and I, I have a, a, a certain number of people that come instantly to my mind when we're, when we're thinking about these uh, starting five. But then I make sure and go through the last 20, 25 years of like all conference teams, stat leaders, players of the week, things of that nature. And as I'm making my list, I came to the conclusion that there's really only four schools in the Big 12 that I like because all of my options are from those teams. And that is Iowa State, West Virginia, Baylor, and K-State. I don't even like Baylor, really, but I liked a lot of their players. Pretty much the rest of the teams in the Big 12 mean nothing to me. Uh, I don't like Kansas, so that I, you know, I, I do have one of my players from Kansas. And if anyone knows me, we should be a pretty easily able to figure out who my Kansas guy is. So that was almost like, I almost didn't want to go like with. was like a shoo-in. We'll just start with him because I almost didn't want to go with him. But he's such a good player at Kansas and he's uh, probably the best Alaskan basketball player ever, him and Carlos Boozer. Um, and that's Mario Chalmers. And it's more than just the fact that he's from Alaska, but just the impact that he had at Kansas. He was the final four most outstanding player he, uh, he authored up Mario's Miracle back when I didn't hate Kansas quite as much as I do now. But, you know, one of the top, I don't know, 10 shots in college basketball history, maybe, arguably, against Derrick they Rose show it Memphis on, team. They show it on every uh, NCAA tournament montage, yeah, like before right. every game. And he was just – the fact that he had a almost decade-long um, NBA career past that was probably not 
expected. It was maybe there was potential for it, but uh, you know, obviously we're just talking about college stuff, but he's got rings with LeBron and, and all that with the heat. Miami Heat are my favorite basketball team. So the fact that he went there was also helpful. Um, Real quick. Go ahead. When, if and when the barn guys listen to this, would you like to personally apologize uh, to them for that shot? I'm sorry, guys. Uh, that's all I needed. I'm sure that's all they needed. Yeah, that's my bad. I guess. Rehashing old memories. <laughs> I mean, I only have so many Alaskans. We literally rolled through three. the only three Alaskans I can pick for these, this list now. There's no Alaskans left to pick for our starting five ever. And so, yeah, Mario Chalmers, he like led the nation in steals, I think. Um, and he's one of the few players to, and you've heard this a thousand times, Subi, so I'm sorry that we're just rehashing this right now. But he's won at every level. He was a high school national champion. He, or a high school state champion. He was a McDonald's All-American. He won a national championship, a Final Four out, most outstanding player, and a NBA championship. So he just won at every level. And um, so, yeah, I had to go with Marlo Chalmers on that one. So now that we can get rid of the Kansas people, let's get into the people that I actually enjoyed, aside from my, uh, from my necessity for picking them. And we could have gone with a lot of stud NBA players on this list, Kevin Durant being one of them. And... But that's just too obvious, you know. I don't like to go with the obvious people. But I did go with one college basketball stud who kind of made it in the NBA, and that's our boy B-Easy, Michael Beasley from K-State, who also pretty much led the nation in every single, like, category uh, the year he was at K-State. Number two pick in the draft. uh, Obviously ended up smoking way too much weed, amongst other things, to take his NBA career seriously. But he was just such a stud at K-State. I mean, he's averaged, what, 20? Was it 28 or 29 points a game or something he was like that? an absolute bucket. Also a Miami Heat player. Yeah. Also, <laughs> wait a second. Wait, it's the end. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just love to be easy at, uh, at K-State. And, you know, K-State is a – I know we kind of talked about it with the football program. But K-State's a sneaky good basketball program, really, if you go back and look at their history as well. Uh, and so, you know, you think to yourself – how many good K-State teams have there been since Michael Beasley? There's actually been a lot. You know, oh, Jacob, yeah. Jacob Pullen yep. years, those, yeah, all those guys. And Rodney Magruder, of course. Magruder. And so Michael Beasley was my K-State ch- choice, though. And so, and just because I have, you know, so much new respect for Manhattan, Kansas, we needed a, we needed a K-State guy on this list. I mean, all-time quote from Michael Beasley is, hey, did you get paid in college? <laughs> He's like, bruh, I played basketball in man i chose to play basketball in manhattan kansas yeah right exactly in the winter no less exactly a lot of choices from baylor because we've talked about their their future nba stars their just freak athletes even their nfl players rico gathers for example led the led the conference in rebounding when he was there but i went with a much more diminutive man and that is tweety carter from from back in the day that is awesome that is an awesome pick i'm sorry (laughs) tweety carter who played six years of high school basketball by the way at five nine uh led louisiana to his school his high school in in louisiana to five state championships okay (laughs) five state championships he's the highest scoring high school player in the history of the united states as well what Oh, yes. he's got an extra Because he was there for six oh, years. Yeah. He scored 7,500 7, points in high school. 
Holy shit, man. We said, I don't know what your high school is like, but we gave like jerseys and shit to people who scored a thousand points in their high school career. <laughs> About 7,500. He was the Louisiana uh, high school player of the year or Gatorade, whatever, four times. Fucking better be. <laughs> yeah, right. Just ridiculous. So um, he led along with Ekbe Yudo, another person that I almost put on this list, uh, to the Elite Eight uh, in 2010. And I just loved him on that team. You know, he actually, I can't believe he was a G League player forever, but he's still in uh, playing overseas. So shout out to Tweety Carter for uh, Tweety Michael Carter from, from Louisiana. Uh, I mean, how can you not pick him? Just the name. Yeah, all-time name. DeMond Tweety Carter. So he's also a youth basketball trainer. So there you go. Uh, so, you know, Tweety love the kids. So I had to pick him. All, out, all the teachers teaching out there, education, educate the youth of America. So I hate to do this to you, but I'm almost 99% sure that this guy is on your list from Manny's oh, West alma Virginia. mater. No. no, I don't have a West Virginia guy on my list. You don't have Kevin Pitsnoggle on your list? Only because, and look, I'm not, I'm not going to disagree and, and say that you can't proceed with this, but Pissnoggle was there in the Big East, so I was like, oh, "No, I'm not going to put him in there." So don't, don't, don't let me rain You're on right. the parade. You're right. Don't let me rain on the parade. Kevin Pissnoggle, uh, an all-time player. And we did talk about this beforehand too. You know, honestly, that's my bad. So, but take it and run. Yeah. Take it and run. Pissnoggle. I, I what what goes? I, how can you describe Pissnoggle nicely? Really, just the most lovable white trash West Virginia person you can find. You know, as we've seen, I like to throw in one piece of white trash to my list on everyone so far. Um, I mean, I'm just picturing him and Marshall, Marshall Henderson in a huddle right now. He has gotten to be a big man now, too. One of my favorite pictures of him is like in a white uh, suit or tux for his like high school prom or something like that. He just looks like the most West Virginian. The just no the tats that he had, the goatee, just everything about him. Funny enough, he was a third team All American in senior year. He was good, man. Yeah, that's him. Mike Gansey, they were good. Yep. So, so, and this is like we talked about a couple of times. His starting college basketball. Well, it was a little before. You know, this was kind of like our first real serious years of college basketball fanhood in the early two thousand. And so, I always just remember Pitsnoggle on ESPN just because a his name, b just white trash, uh, a guy who never got, just got bigger during his career, too. So, Kevin Pissnoggle, I cheated on that one because goddamn conference realignment. That's totally an oversight on my part. Uh, we can figure out a punishment for next episode. It's fine. Here, here, here's, here's what I'll say. If it's going to be someone outside of conference that, in terms of the rules that we've laid out, Kevin Pitsnoggle is the perfect player. Okay, okay. Because actually there were a couple other West Virginia players I almost won. I actually really liked Javon Carter just because of his hair. Mm-hmm. Or lack thereof. Uh, there's Devin E. Banks, those players from those teams. So, uh, but we're going to go with Pissnoggle because you know what? I love it. Apparently, I bent the rules despite the fact that we uh, previously talked about how we weren't. So, that's on me. No uh, rules, baby. No, no rules. Rule. No rules. So Except the, for that rule that we're going to try to abide by later, but outside yeah, of that. So. Right, 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 right. So, um, so, my last person on this list is from Iowa State. And there were a lot of, I think, I feel like Iowa State always has a lot of similar individuals on their teams. Kind of guys who started off 
as maybe just regular recruits or not big time recruits and then made it all the way up to almost like conference player of the year type of level. Um, and so my guy that I went with is Melvin Ejim on this list. Loved him. I really liked Monte Morris too. Really liked a lot of those guys at Iowa State over the years. George's Yang, who was there for 500 years. I uh, hated Yang, but yeah. yeah I, well, I mean, yeah. He, I didn't say I necessarily I liked him. I'm just saying that he was there for a thousand years. It was good. Yep. So uh, Melvin Ejim, Canadian, you know, big, big guy for the North here. Uh, and was he the, yeah, he was the big 12 player of the year that year. His first team, uh, big 12, couple of years. He was an academic all American huge, you know, cause obviously I care a lot about that, but, but four year starter or four year player there at, um, at Iowa state. And I, the problem is, is I really like Iowa or no, I don't really like Iowa state, but I like Iowa state generally. They're a classic example of a team for me that I always pick too far in the tournament every single year. And they always crush my dreams way too early. But Melvin Ejim, Iowa State. So my starting five is Mario Chalmers from Kansas, Michael B. Easy Beasley from K-State, Tweedy Carter from Baylor, Kevin Pitsnoggle from West Virginia, and Melvin Ejim from Iowa State. Tweedy Carter, man. Incredible. I can't get enough of Tweedy Carter. <laughs> All right. I will go with my starting five. First and foremost, uh, I agreed with you on – on the Kevin Durant uh, reasoning in terms of, you know, he's just obviously awesome. I don't want to pick him, even though he was incredible to watch in college, but this is a guy that is really good in the NBA and was truly, truly electric in college. And that was Blake Griffin, Blake Mm -hmm. Griffin, one of the all time greatest dunkers in college basketball history had one of the greatest dunks you'll ever see when he went baseline and literally hit his head on uh, the backboard. I've, I don't think I've ever seen that that level of athleticism. And I think what made Blake Griffin really cool is that he was such a freak athlete and such a good player, and he was from Norman, Oklahoma. So mm-hmm. I'm fascinated when these great players are from their local schools that are in the middle of nowhere. You look at Jarrett Culver last year. He's from Lubbock. Like how, where, how is Lubbock and Norman producing this type of talent uh, to – Top five, top six picks, I think. And so Blake Griffin, just for his I mean, he was must-watch television. It was him and Steph Curry, basically back-to-back years. They were must-watch TV uh, for completely different reasons. You got the athleticism of Blake, and then obviously Steph and his diminutive stature just dominating from beyond the arc. So Blake Griffin to start it off with. His front court mate, Thomas Robinson from Kansas. T Rob. One of my all-time favorite college basketball players, not just in the Big 12 because of the amount of heart and hustle that that he had. He wasn't necessarily the most talented. I truly believe that he played himself into a lottery pick. I think the Blazers picked him, and I don't know, something just didn't work out. I thought he was going to be a perfect pick for them. Uh, either the Blazers or the Kings, I forget who did. But Thomas Robinson pretty much willed that Kansas team on his back to a national title appearance, Mm -hmm. obviously ran up against arguably the greatest college basketball player ever in Anthony Davis, or at least of the last decade in Anthony Davis and that Kentucky team. So, but Thomas Robinson was just the epitome of heart and hustle. And I agree with you that there aren't a ton of Kansas players in the past that I really like, but he's one of them because he embodied what it means to be a great college athlete, a great college basketball player. And I really wish he had succeeded in the NBA, but Kings, unfortunately, I, got I him. thought he was going to be a stud in the NBA. So did I. 
but I mean, never never put he it together. Great, he just has a great story from college too with the more with the Morai twins. Actually, we have a positive thing to say about the Morai twins. I mean, I love the Morai. Yeah, okay. We don't love them for their like emotional supportive people though. Let's put it that way. In sure. this situation, uh, he had a great story. So, yep. um, but yeah, no, I, I actually honestly probably would have picked uh, T Rob if if it wasn't for Mario Chalmers. So yeah, I like that pick. T Rob, uh, and then I'm gonna go to Texas. I go with Damian James. Damian James was, I don't know why, I just really, really enjoyed watching him play. He was kind of like a Thomas Robinson. He did, except Thomas Robinson could uh, was a lot more high profile and did a lot a lot more things on the court. Damian James was on that Kevin Durant, DJ Augustine team, so they weren't necessarily relying on him to uh, produce anything because you have KD and obviously Augustine there to do all that. But he was... Uh, I think like him and Brad Buckner were, wow. were, the, were the dirty guys, right? Damian James would get like 12 rebounds in a game somehow and that's and come up with the huge stops. He was almost like a Draymond Green. So mm-hmm. Damian James, for knowing his role when it could be tough to look aside, uh, look across the huddle and you see those two legends, Texas legends. I know we make fun of D- DJ Augustine, but he absolutely is. Uh, but Damian James is on my roster as well. So – I went. I started with Blake Griffin, freak athletically. Then I went to two dirty guys, you know, that are, <laughs> that'll pick up your not in a good right. way, in a good yeah, way. Yeah, right, right. Uh, I'm going to go back to being a freak athlete and uh, Perry Jones. Yeah. Oh God, I loved Perry Jones. Perry loved Jones was him. fucking awesome, dude. I swear he didn't have any ACLs, or he could just like jump out of the gym. One of oh, the his, most athletic his people. Second jump is ridiculous. I you thought. Know, I, he was another player that I thought was going to be awesome in the NBA. I, I, I don't understand how he wasn't. It's just a classic guy you look at and you're like, this guy is built. This guy's a creative player, essentially. Yep. And the height, the athleticism, the skills. You're like, this guy has to be a stud in the NBA. And I mean, he stuck at how long was he in the NBA? He was okay. Yeah, I mean, he was he was fine. But I, I thought he was also going to get drafted higher than he did. I think he was a mid first round pick. But I think at that moment, Scott Drew was like, because they didn't. That team didn't really win much in the tournament. Right, so I think right. Scott Drew was like, all right, I'm done getting these insane athletes that are going to be drafted right. high. I'm going to build, build better teams. But Perry right. Jones, man, him and Blake Griffin were two of the best dunkers I've ever seen in college. And oh, yeah. he was, he was electric. He was a lot of fun to watch to a lesser degree than Blake must watch television. And then I'm going to round it out with Jacob Pullen. Uh, I, point I, I almost went with Jacob Pullen too. Yeah. Jacob Pullen's awesome. He was at Kansas State for, I think, three or four years. But the reason I'm putting Jacob Pullen on, on this team is I'm giving an assist to Gus Johnson. I think every big-time college basketball fan knows what game I'm talking about. It was Xavier versus Kansas State in the tournament. It's like two Holloway and Jordan Crawford going up against Jacob Pullen and – uh, I, I like Dennis Clemente or, or maybe even Angel Rodriguez. Angel, Rodriguez. Angel, yeah, Angel Rodriguez. Okay. So I, sorry, that might've been racist and, and stereotypical on my behalf. My bad. But uh, Jacob Pullen was unconscious in that game and Gus Johnson giving him those insane calls really, really helped with uh, my memory of, of a guy like Jacob Pullen, who a lot of people would typically forget but he always he had that beard. He had like that Abe Lincoln beard, and he was really good for Kansas State. And I think I think Frank Martin was coaching that team. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was just a really fun team. And I think I came to the realization that hey, I like I like Kansas State a lot too. So I went with uh, Jacob Pullen as 
as my point guard, Perry Jones and Blake Griffin as my athletic freaks, and then Damian James and Thomas Robinson. Thomas Robinson doing everything. Damian James knows his role is going to get me like 10 to 12 rebounds a game. So when you were making your list, did you come to a similar conclusion that I did of who you were picking your teams from? That I really liked a lot of players on the same like four teams and didn't really like or care about any players on the other teams. I just didn't. I didn't uh, share the same teams as you. But yes, like I, I didn't even come close to thinking about uh, Oklahoma State. I didn't come close to thinking about TCU. You know, I didn't really think much about Iowa State either. Or Texas Tech before this, maybe Texas Andre, Tech. Yeah. Andre Emmett, maybe. Yeah. You know, yeah. For Texas Tech, but yeah, I don't. I, you know, the only person I I would have picked from Oklahoma State would have been LeBron Nash. He um, had a, him yeah, and uh, who's Marcus Smart? Marcus Smart. No, right, but the, no, there was another guy too. It was LeBron Nash. Who am I thinking of? Markel, Markel, something. Oh yeah, Markel, Markel Brown. Brown. Markel right. Brown. Yeah, yeah. So that was about the only Oklahoma State guys I thought of. Didn't think of any, uh, except for maybe the uh, albino dude on TCU. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> Jalen Fisher. He's at yeah. TCU now. Yeah, I know. I mean, that, he's in your head. I don't. When I don't think, I don't think of TC for anything. You know, really. So yeah, I just thought it was funny. I was like, wow, I have to choose between thirty-five Baylor players. Yep. And really, no one else. Dude, <laughs> that is okay. So I put a quick honorable mention here, and that's how I am with Kansas State because Beasley was mm-hmm. was one I thought of. Angel Rodriguez and Dennis Clemente. Yep. And yep. so you know what's crazy about Angel Rodriguez and Dennis Clemente? is that they're both Puerto Rican transfers to and from Miami. They both played for Miami at one point, and I, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I think Rodriguez transferred from Miami to K-State and Clemente transferred from K-State to Miami. Wow. Or maybe vice versa. It's, it's, it's actually kind of weird. Uh, but those guys, and then also KD, obviously. And here's a mm-hmm. really random one. I think they were in the Big 12 at this point. I could be wrong. But do you remember for West Virginia, Dennis Caligula? Oh yeah, of course. Yes. The biggest hands of all time. Oh yes. yes Just an absolute yes. meathead down low. Couldn't do anything except was a huge body. A little surprised no Nathan Adrian on this list. Nate Adrian. That's a, he's a, I mean, he's not as talented as Blake Griffin or Culver, but I think he's from Morgantown, went to West Virginia. Yeah, no, he is. About Pittsnoggle, also from West Virginia. They just always have That's that. classic. They always have that guy on their team. And so you know look. what? Because I cheated, just take Pissnoggle out and put Nathan Adrian in there, and I would have said almost all of the same exact shit about Nathan Adrian. So That's a good point, actually. Put it in there. Put Nathan in. Adrian is definitely Pissnoggle's, like, long-lost kid. So if we can, if you can go back and edit this for me and just every time I say Pissnoggle, put Nathan Adrian in there for <laughs> me, and then we'll be good to go. And, I'll, and my, my, uh, my respectability will be saved testing my editing skills there, but <laughs> some good, good starting fives there uh, for, for the big 12, some hilarious names. And I think you're right. Common theme is that we were looking at a select few teams and deciphering who amongst those teams we're going to be it's, making a rock. It's a good, it's a good reason. And actually it's, it's, it's a good reminder also of why Kate or why Kansas has won this conference every year for the yep. last 15 years, except for one. And that's like, Oh, there were only like four or five teams that ever had any good players on them. And they all yeah. just wilted at the end of the year, just like every single year against Kansas. Except for it's last. true. It's very true. I also want to just real quick before we get to hugs, double back since we're on the topic of names in the Big 12. Look out for Lindy Waters at Oklahoma State. He could be a dark horse for player of the year. And I think he's going to be incredibly crucial to that rebuild going on in Stillwater. But Lindy Waters. Derek, Derek, Col- 
Derek Culver would be my name to remember uh, with West Virginia. If, if they don't finish last, it's going to be because of Derek Culver, who might even be an all-conference type of player. Yeah. So he'll be the other, other Culver uh, since Jarrett's gone. So I love it. All right, let's round it out with some hugs. T, who are we giving a hug to? So like I said, uh, I was going to go with a hug for the 60 players who I still don't know that they're eligible or not one week before the season. But a little news came across my wire today about something that I watch every Saturday morning, and that's college game day. Now, college football game day is much bigger than college basketball game day, uh, but it's something that, you know, obviously if you're taking an hour and 20 minutes to listen to a college basketball podcast, you probably watch college game day every morning on Saturday mornings. I am so excited for, uh, to give my hug to Lafonso Ellis, who I don't even really like that much in comparison, but he will be replacing Jay Williams, on a college game day this season. Really? And I, I am fired up about not having to listen to Jay Williams on college game day every morning. That's all. Awesome. His stupid shirt thing, shirt. which was funny the first time, not the 35th time in a row. Like, you're not cool because you picked North Carolina, your rival school at, like, dude, just stop. Just stop. What a waste of cool. buttons, too. Yeah, right. And, like, dude, I, I would much rather have you say, I hate North Carolina and I'm never going to pick them because I went to Duke. Don't like try to pander to everybody and like rip your shirt off and give me North Carolina, whatever. I just, I don't, I don't like him as an analyst. He will be, Jay Williams will be going full time to the NBA countdown um, role now, since they're rebuilding the whole NBA countdown uh, staff or full-time NBA countdown staff. So hug for Lafonso Ellis. He will be replacing Jay Williams on College Game Day this year. Hug for us too. I feel like I've yeah, been, actually, oh, kind of as a, a result of this, this like is like a communal, a communal situation, right? So I actually thought you were going with College Game Day because it's going to be in Memphis this weekend for football, and uh, so I well, thought we were giving a hug. So I'll give a quick hug to the barn guys. I think they got SMU coming to town uh, in Memphis, so that'll be a big squad. Goal. SMU's got a squad. Bit of a wagon. Yeah, you know, uh, as a college football better. They are seven and one against the spread this year. So okay. SMU is for all of those listening to this right now. So Noted. just a little fun fact for you. I'm going to give my hug to Doug Gottlieb. I alluded to him a little bit earlier in the program, <laughs> but poor Doug, man, the Duggar. NCAA is going to be allowing players to profit off their own likeness. And so I have been recording this and not on his Twitter so I'm going to, right after this, go straight to his Twitter to see how angry and upset he is and pumped to see the false equivalencies that, that he's going to be making. I actually think he quote tweeted uh, Burr. What, was that his name? The, the mm-hmm. politician? Yeah. Uh, yes. And he was like, therein lies the problem. It's like, no, dude, you two are just colossal assholes. And again, it's, it's such a fall from grace with Gottlieb because I did used to think he's funny. Sometimes I still agree with him, but it's become a lot more seldom than it has in the past. And it's just a relationship between viewer and and analyst that has just gone completely awry. But with this news breaking that players can now profit off their own likeness or will be able to do so, I want to give a big hug for Doug Gottlieb and every other stodgy, old, cranky, get-off-my-lawn reporter that has a problem with this. And he's not even stodgy and old. Well, he's stodgy, but he's not old. Like True. He, 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 was, he was close enough back to our list that he showed up when I was doing research for the last 25 years of players that I would like to you know, have on my Big 12 roster. So he's not old, you know, but... Yeah, he still wears know. hats. <laughs> like... <laughs> 
Like Levitard, Levitard, I think, looks like a complete clown, but at least he has views that would be consistent with wearing like a 305 hat. Right. Yeah, that's true. And yeah. he's, Miami's just... Oh, there's there's no rules down there anyway. So really isn't. All right. Well, that is our Big Twelve preview. Hopefully, next conference that we preview won't be in complete agreement like we were today. But in the meantime, uh, we will see you next time.